What is going on, everybody? If you don't know, now you do know. You're officially tuned in to a very special edition of the HFWB podcast series. This is your host, Clifton Pope, and with me today, I have a very special gentleman who has quickly become a great friend because of the values and beliefs that we share and everything, and it's just... He's just an overall, quote-unquote, man of God, and he's kind of like the hope dealer and the chief dreamer himself. And did I mention he's also the senior pastor for Grace Presbyterian Church Corpus. He's also a life coach, counselor, and he's also an author of the book Caught Red-Handed, which is a very great book. I definitely recommend everybody read it for sure. I'm currently reading it myself. But if you don't have any idea who I'm talking about at this point, please welcome Reverend John William Roberts to the HFWB podcast series. John, this has been long overdue. Welcome aboard, finally. Man, I appreciate that. I, I feel like that's a lot of buildup. I hope I don't let people down. You know, that was quite an intro. <laughs> no, no, I mean, it's, it's what you do, John. I mean, I'm just giving people an idea as far as your resume, as far as what you're overall doing and what you plan on doing going forward. But speaking of that, John, I want to give people who are listening to the HFWB podcast series context on who is Reverend John William Roberts, the person, and what's your overall background story? Yeah, so I was a military brat, grew up on 14 different Air Force bases, moving all around the country, meeting all kinds of people. Uh, and then I went to Southwest Texas or Texas State University. Uh, thought I was going to be a psychiatrist and charge people 300 bucks an hour, and now I do counseling for free. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so I got a call to ministry my senior year in college. And, um, you know, uh, God spoke to my heart and said, hey, it's all about making up there. Come down here. God's kingdom come. God's will be done. And God needs agents to make that happen, people like you and me, to make God's will happen on earth. Yes. And uh, so I signed up, went to SMU, uh, became uh, an ordained minister, got ordained. And uh, so I'm 28 years now in ministry. I'm, I'm an old I'm an old dude. I'm not young like you, Clifton. I'm not a young buck. You know, I've been an old dude now. So. But, but hey, you, you, that means you have plenty of wisdom to spread, John. You have plenty of gospel wisdom to spread. And I appreciate that. Yeah, you know, it's all about uh, it's all about love. It's all about realizing that you know um, you don't have to have a dream yourself to share the dream. Like you know, like Martin Luther King had a dream, right? And a million people right. got behind it. They didn't have the dream, but he had the dream. But you don't yeah. have to have the dream to catch the dream. And so my dream was God's dream for this world, and I caught that dream, and I'm trying to share that dream. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. And a lot of people don't realize another thing that Martin Luther King was also going to talk about was empowerment as well and empowering the individual to, of course, rise up to the occasion to chase the dream, which was pretty much the undisclosed part two of the story he was going to tell before he passed, just to throw that out there for everybody who's listening. But overall, John, I want to ask you, what is the one story which drew you closer to like God and the gospel? Because I feel like everybody has that turning point where they feel like they're on the wrong tracks and then they come face to face with the spirits within and then they turn their life around. Do you have a story like that? Do you want to elaborate to the people to where they can relate? You know, um, the story, you're talking about a biblical story that really relates to my life? 
Yeah, or just like, you know, just turning around the turning points, so to speak, on your life and to being more involved in the ministry and just being, of course, the senior pastor that you are and just give a little bit of the people and the journey on how you became like that, John. Well, you know, um, to me, it was a journey of, of setting goals and then reaching those goals and then feeling like, wait a minute, is that all there is? Is this happiness? Because if so, yes. there's something missing here. It's sort of like people that think that, you know, if I can just, you know, fill up my bucket list, it'll fill me up. You know, if I can just, if I can just be kayaking and see a bear, then somehow everything that's wrong in my life will be good again. You know, yes. and if I can just, if I can, you know, fire, you know, retire early, and if I can just fill up the bucket list. And for me, Christians, it's not so much about a bucket list, it's kicking the bucket list and living for God's dream. And yeah. there's, no word, there's no word for retirement in the scripture. It's you get refired, not retired. So to mm -hmm. me, I got I got to a place where you know I I joined the best fraternity. I was I was living the dream on the outside. Everything I was popular. I was all these things that you know everybody wanted. Had the girl that everybody wanted. All that good stuff. And then it was like empty, man. I was like, this is there's got to be more to life than this mm. and there's got to be more to life than making money there's got to be more life than having the car your dreams having the house your dreams having the girl your dreams because inevitably we think that stuff's going to fill us up we think that stuff's going to make us happy and then you get there and you're like eh, and happiness moved you're like what happened i thought it was right here, <laughs> was right here. and so no. so it became a, a, a journey of i recognized there was this hole in my heart and a hole in my life that that was a God-shaped hole, and only God could fill. And um, so that's really became the journey. But the passage I really love is where Jesus comes up to the guy who's laying by the pool for 38 years. He's begging for a living. He's not doing anything. You know, mm -hmm. the, the myth was that the water was disturbed by the angels, and if you could be the first one in the water, then you got healed. And for 38 years, he lays there. 38 years, he can't pay his friends to roll him up in there the first time the water turned, nothing. And Jesus asked this crazy question of, you know, this question wouldn't even be allowed today. It's not even politically correct. Jesus says, do you want to get better? Do you want, do you want to get well? Or do you want to keep laying by the pool excuses? In other words, hey, it's not your fault if you're a victim. It's not your fault if you had a rough childhood. It's not your fault if things happen to you that, that you didn't deserve and you're a, that you were a victim. But it is your fault if you continue to live like a victim. It is yeah. your fault to continue to be victimized every day. Do you want to get better or do you want to keep laying by the pool of excuses? So I, I mean, I love, I love that analogy, John. That's just straight to the point. And it's kind of like you, you want to be the victim or do you want to be the victor? Do you want to try to be the best version of yourself every single day or are you just going to become stagnant and complacent? I mean, right. Because you can't yeah. be both. You can't be the victim yeah. and the victory. You can't be both. So you got to decide. You can't be bitter and better. You got to decide which one am I going to be. Of so course. Of course. Yeah. I, I agree with that for sure, John. And I feel like the one thing that we definitely both have in common is that we have a way of just touching people and inspiring people to getting them to do better within their own way. And I remember there's people who come across me, who, who come across and tell me, hey, you inspire me by doing this. Hey, you inspire me by doing that. And I'm sure there's a long list of people who have done the same for yourself as well, John. Is, is there any story that stick out to you to where it's like when you touch somebody so much to where it's like, you tell yourself, wow, I can't believe I really made an impact on this person's life like that. And I wasn't even expecting it. Does any yeah. story stick out like that? 
Yeah, there, there's a couple. Um, one was I, uh, I did a sermon on forgiveness, and I had this, I had this guy in my church named Dick Hamilton, and mm-hmm. he was really funny and kind of obnoxious. He was a guy that uh, he talked back to me during the sermons, you know, which is unusual in the white church, Clifton. Okay, it's just unusual. Right. <laughs> so anyway, but he talked back to me, you know, and stuff, you know, and so. And I enjoyed that, and I enjoyed the reciprocation and the energy. He was a funny guy. He was a really funny guy. So he was always laughing us up. But I preached one Sunday on forgiveness, and I could tell he wasn't talking back to me. He was real emotional. I could tell it was hitting mm-hmm. home with him, that the spirit was working on him, you know. And mm-hmm. so that Sunday afternoon, he called me up, and he said, Hey, I want you to know I just called my brother, who I haven't talked to in 18 years, and I forgave him, and he's flying up here next week. And the next Sunday, he introduced his brother to the congregation and said, I want you all to know we had forgiveness because of that message from God. And uh, here's my brother. And do you know that um, his brother died a year later, and I did the funeral. And Dick Dick stood up at the funeral and said, I'm so glad that I had a year of reconciliation with my brother. I'm so glad that I reconciled before he went to the grave. Because, you know, the point is, is that we should forgive everyone of everything and anything because yeah. bitterness and hate eats us up and it, it stops our relationships with others. So that was a powerful moment. Another moment was I had a woman that came to my church and for the first six weeks, she sat in the front row and every Sunday she's crying and every Sunday she's crying. And my wife's like, what are you doing to that woman? She just cries every Sunday. What, are you glaring at her? Are you, are you, you know, making an ugly face, a stink eye or what? And I'm like, no. Uh, I don't know what's going on. And so she she joined the church. Her family came. Two years later, I got like a three-page email from her about how the, literally the church has saved her life, that she was in her closet with a gun in her mouth. And she said, okay, God, give me one sign that why I shouldn't pull this trigger. And she looked down and on, on the floor of her closet, she was standing on a little church flyer that invited her to come to church. And... Mm. So that, you know, you think about and she's got two young kids and I, man, that's an email I kept because I, I, you know, you never know the impact you have on someone's life. You don't know what people, everyone's got a struggle. Yeah. Everyone's got, everyone's got brokenness in their life. And so you never know what you're dealing with. And so you always want to be, I always want to be Clifton, a voice that helps people overcome. I don't ever want to be a voice they have to overcome. I want to be the voice that helps people overcome, not a voice they got to overcome. Yeah. I I agree with that because it's like you just said, John, we all have our own hidden battles that we're fighting every single day. We all have over obstacles that we need to overcome. So it's like we need to be like that helping hand to help them get through all that, because that's something that a lot of people really need. I mean, we got to let them know, hey, you're not alone. We're all in this together and we can get through this together because it's like I've been there and I know what you're going through and all that good stuff. And it's kind of like it's it's kind of like those little moments that when God shows up big, which is why I want to ask you about this book right here for everybody who's watching this right now on YouTube and not and not or listening to it and not watching it on YouTube. I'm holding up a copy of John's book, Caught Red Handed. It's available now on Amazon. You need to get you a copy. That's for sure. It's, a, it's such an inspiring book, and I love all the stories. Uh, the one thing that stuck out to me that I read within the book, John, is whenever you had that 
whenever you had like the two different religions of the husband and the wife at the wedding and everything. And it's just like, that's just a beautiful thing within itself. Because when I read that, I was like, man, that just proves what I've been saying this whole time, that all religion is the same religion. And it all points back to the same thing, no matter if it's Christian or whether it's Muslim or Buddha or Judaism, it all goes back to the same thing. But overall, John, I want to ask you, what prompted you to write Caught Red-Handed? What was the inspiration and what's the backstory behind that? And what's the overall message you're trying to spread? Great question. Um, When you read um, Song of Solomon, when you read Ecclesiastes, when you read Proverbs, that that book, especially the book of Proverbs, it was written 900 B.C. Mm -hmm. Solomon wrote that for his kids. It was Proverbs was taught in school like algebra and science was taught. It was taught primarily to people like you and I, young men growing up. Um, And he wrote it basically on his deathbed. He wrote these words. He said to his children, hey, here's here's what helped me. Here's what helped me in life. Here it is. Here's wisdom. Here's truth. And if you read the book of Proverbs today, man, it's it's still true. It's true today as it was any day. It's wisdom, wisdom, wisdom. And so I looked at my own life, I'm, I'm 52, my kids are in college. I wanted to give them something so that they could read one day when they actually think I'm smart. Cause like right now I'm dumb, right? You know, like when you read 16, your dad gets dumb. And then when you get to 25, your dad gets smart again, right? That's how it works. <laughs> and so right now I'm in, the dumb, I'm in the dumb stage, but I wrote a book so that when I get back in the smart stage with them, when they get older, I wanted them to be able to pick something up and go, this is what my dad believed. This is how my dad related to God. This is how moments when God showed up and, and proved himself in my dad's life. And maybe maybe God's closer than, than I think. Maybe what's lacking is my awareness of God. Maybe God's presence is not missing. It's just my awareness of God. And so, and I wanted people to start paying attention to those shoulder taps that God yeah. gives us, those little taps on the shoulder when God says, hey, Look over here. You know, it's like a Where's Waldo book, you know, and and where is God? And so I wanted those moments uh, when God showed up big, especially about, you know, if you read the one story about my son, Jacob, the doctors told us to have an abortion with Jacob. And now he's studying in medical school to be a doctor, which I find really (laughs) ironic. I prayed to God and God spoke to me and said, you're having a son. His name should be Jacob. He's fine. Don't have the abortion. Everything's cool. And I told that to my wife. She came home from a PTA meeting. And I was like, hey, I want you to know I had this crazy experience where God really spoke to my heart. I felt God's presence. It was not that I had too many Snickers bars or sugar low or sugar high. It was the voice of God. And he said, we should have this boy. She's like, well, I still want to talk to the doctor. I'm like, well, that's fine. But, you know, we're having the kid, you know. And so so the the doctor called me up and I'm like, hey, I know he's fine. We're having a boy. And she's like, did the nurse call you? Did the nurse already call you? I'm like, no, no, no. God called me. And she's like, oh, yeah, you're a minister. But anyway, you know, when God calls everybody, it's not just ministers. You know, it's just we have to be uh, uh, quiet enough and listen and look for God and pay attention to God and pray with a sense of expectation. I mean, God loves everyone equally. You don't love me anymore because I'm a preacher. I just get the privilege of being paid to study and read and encourage people. And it is a privilege. So that was kind of the inspiration. I want to give my kids something they could read. I'm also in the middle of writing my second book right now. There's another book of wisdom for my kids. That's really what I was trying to do, Clifton. 
There, there's nothing wrong with that. And it's just something about feeling the spirit of God. And I just want to give people a quick story as far as how I felt it the other night. And for those who are listening to the HFWB podcast at a later notice and everything, I basically lost a real, a real good friend of mine, my best friend, one of my closest friends. His name was Jeremy Williams. He passed away the other day and everything. And this is how I know I felt the spirit of God because we was hanging out in front of my best friend's house and we were basically literally just, just, it was me, my best friend and his brother. We were all talking about him and everything. Here comes a dog, like one of the most beautiful, like expensive lavender looking dogs I've ever seen. And this is here on the, on the West side, right in, in like the hood areas and stuff. We've ne I've never seen a dog like that before. And then you just feel this cold wind just blow within your body and everything. And they say, it's like, of course, you can't kill a spirit, obviously, but when that spirit, it could come in different forms, like an animal, or like any foreign object or anything. And then I remember my best friend's younger brother was saying, man, that's that's Jeremy. He's right there with us just talking and everything. And I, it didn't hit me at the, at the time, but when I thought about it after it happened, I was like, he might be onto something because I, I felt the same thing that he felt. And I was like, yep. Yeah, he's, yeah. He's, that let me know he's always going to be here with us going forward. So that's a great example as far as feeling the spirit of God right then and there that I want to share with everybody and share with you, of course, John, for everyone listening to the podcast right now. But speaking of just finding the spirit of God, for anyone who's listening to the podcast right now, John, who is lost in the world, trying to find their footing, get on the right track. What would be some key pieces of advice you would give that person to help them turn their life around and basically find the spirit of God within themselves? Because we all have it within us. Right. Absolutely. So, you know, the thing I would say is that ask yourself, are you living your life by design or are you living a life by default? Are you living your life by, you know, good this, point. Is what, this is like nobody builds a house, Clifton, without having a blueprint first. You know, if exactly. I was building a house and you said to me, hey, uh, is it going to be a two-door or a cottage or a two-story? And I said, I don't know. We'll find out when it's done. You'd be like, what? What kind of house are you building? But most people live their lives that way. They live by emotion. They live by default. They don't ever think about. And most people don't live the life that, that, that God wants for them. They live the life they think they can get. And so I, I want people to stop and ask God, God, what is your... What are the skill sets that you have given me? Because Clifton, you have a different set of skills and a different abilities to reach different people than I do. Mm -hmm. and, and God has placed those in your hands. And God's not going to ask me, uh, hey, what did you do with the talents I gave Clifton? <laughs> you know, each of us has to understand that God has blessed us so that we can be a blessing. We're not blessed yeah. to be a reservoir, we're blessed to be a channel. And so we got, we got to live our lives by design and think about why am I here? What pieces of the puzzle can I complete and only can I complete? And what does God want out of my life? And what is going to outlive me, right? It's, it's, there's more to life than just paying the mortgage and getting Billy through college. I, I just, there's more to life than that. And so we have to seek that and challenge ourselves to, to live for that, to live for what's eternal, to live for a legacy you know, an inheritance is something you leave your kids like money, but a legacy is what you put in your kids. 
right? Um, you know, the, the thing, the things that, um, you know, you talk about Martin Luther King, what he left us with is a legacy. He left us with a dream that we're still trying to fulfill. We haven't fulfilled it yet. We're still trying yeah. to fulfill that as a nation, as a group of people, when people are judged by the content of their character, not by the color of their skin. So that's, that's, you know, that's a, that's a legacy, right? That's not inheritance. Martin Luther King didn't leave me any money, but he left me a legacy. He left me a dream that I can have and that everyone can have. And so to me, it's about, are you living by design or by default? And then you got to look at what are things that you're not ever going to regret? You know, there are three things in my life I never regretted. Trusting in the Lord, surrendering to God with all my heart, lean not on my own understanding. And let's face it, God's weird, right? His ways yeah. are not our ways. My yes, thoughts are not your thoughts. I mean, God's <laughs> idea, like a, God's idea of, of delivering the son was through a virgin. Okay, that's a little weird. That's a little strange. Okay, yeah, all right. Mm -hmm. You know, God's idea of lighting a fire when he's, you know, with Elijah and the prophets is he's going to soak the wood first with water. That's kind of weird. Anyway, uh, <laughs> and then the third thing is acknowledge God in all my ways. That any any success I've had, it's just because of what God has given me. Any success I have is because God wanted me to have it, not because of what I've done. So that that to me is something I want to want to share. No, that that that's that's beautiful, and I agree with everything you just said there, John. And to add on a couple of things to what you said, it's like we all have been blessed with a certain gift or a skill that only we can do, and it's just up to us to find that within ourselves and light us up from within and from inside to where we can transform it to the outer worlds and present it as that gift within our own skill, and it just goes back to just, hey, we all have our own path. And overall, it goes back to also two things, the day that you're born and the day you find out why you're born. And once you find out why you're born and when you make an impact, it's right. pretty, much, pretty much the rest is history from there. And that's a great message that I feel like everybody needs to hear listening to this episode of the HFWB podcast series today. But overall, John, we're at the point where I'm basically going to ask you like a list of questions and everything that I ask everybody, but I'm going to okay. cater them a little bit, of course, for yourself. My first question is simple, John. What is the first thing you do or think of every single day that you wake up? I uh, thank God that today is the best day of my life. You know why today is the best day of my life? Because it's the only day I got. I ain't got yesterday and I ain't got tomorrow. I only got today. So the first thing I do is I go, thank you, God, for another day. Today's going to be the best day of my life because it's all I got. And that's really what and I it's And it's funny you say that, John, because it's like I was, I had some family in town this past weekend and everything. And I was talking to my uncle and he said some of the realest stuff I think I've ever heard in a while. And he always does. Don't get me wrong. He told me, he was like, I don't want people to mess up me being happy. I'm happy because I opened my eyes and I got to see another day. And I'm like, that's pretty much what it's all about. And I just want to throw that out there for everybody who's listening, of course. Very true. Happiness is an inside job. Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> my next question, John, for you is quite simple. What is your own definition of health and wealth in your own eyes? My own definition of what was that? Your own definition of health and wealth in your own eyes. Health and wellness? Health and wealth. Oh, health and wealth. Oh, yes. well, I think your health is your wealth because without your health, you ain't got anything. So, 
So health yeah. is very, very important. That's why I work out every day. I exercise, you know, you just get your body moving, you know, eight to 10,000 mm -hmm. steps a day. You gotta, you know, at my age, Clifton, you know, I'm an old man now. You, you're still a young guy. You know, you, you probably, your goals are like, look good with my shirt off. My goal is like, look good with a seatbelt on and fit in my pants. That's my fitness goal. So that's the health is wealth. Okay, that's that's right there. So health is wealth. The other thing is, is um, being a good steward of what God has blessed me with, understanding that God has blessed me with uh, wealth, and it's not just so that I can be a fat cat and 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 bless myself, but actually, how do I steward? How do I give out? How do I live out what God has blessed me with? Um, so just being cognizant that everything uh, comes from God. I was born naked. I'll leave this world naked. I'm gonna leave it all behind. Where am I gonna leave it? What am I gonna do with it? I mean, I want to. I want to die with empty pockets in terms of my talents and my gifts and my money. I want to die a poor person. I want to die. I have given it all away. <laughs> that's a great. That's a great answer and a great outlook on it for sure. Because it's like, yes, health is wealth, and it's kind of like both sides of the coin and everything, which is kind of what I've been trying to explain to everybody within health, fitness, wealth, business. So I love how you alluded to all those things, John. My next question for you is. I, I'm, I'm just going to be honest when I say this, John, you are pretty much one talented leader within your own right by spreading the words of the gospel and everything. So I feel like you should ha be able to answer this question I'm about to ask you. What is your own a definition of a leader to you? A leader is someone who brings out the best in others, that elevates others that helps people see what could be that they can't see in themselves. That's one mm -hmm. of the great things about Jesus. Jesus saw in Zacchaeus what Zacchaeus could never see in himself. Jesus saw in Mary Magdalene what she could never see in herself. Uh, mm -hmm. Jesus saw in Peter what Peter could never see in himself. Peter saw himself as a fisherman. Jesus saw himself as uh, saw him as the rock of the church. Um, you know, so to me, a leader is somebody who looks at people and says, you know what? You can be more than you are. You know, like Tommy, Tommy Lasorda, I don't know if you remember Oral Hershiser, the pitcher for the Dodgers. He was a skinny little kid, came to the mound, had a great arm. Everybody made fun of him when he came to the league. They're like, what is this little skinny guy going to do? He ain't, he ain't nothing. And, and he got kind of intimidated. And then Tommy Lasorda started calling him Bulldog, started calling him, you're my Bulldog, you're, you're my pitcher. And, and if, you, if you talk to Oral, if you listen to what Oral Hershiser says, Man, he owned that identity, and he became a bulldog, and he became the great pitcher because someone else saw that greatness within him. So a leader is somebody who sees greatness within you and then calls it out of you and says, come mm. on, you can do it. You can be this leader. You know, Even if you're reluctant, you can be that. That's what a leader is. And, and it's like pulling them out of their bubble that they're in so they could shine and glow and everything. And I, I love how you said that, and that's kind of like – my approach and my idea when I say unity in the community and all that stuff. But I'm going to ask you to choose out of two things, John, as far as which would you rather have? Would you rather have loyalty or respect? Well, I think respect comes after you have loyalty. So <laughs> I guess loyalty. You know, uh, loyalty is, um, but they're they're reciprocal too, man. Because you can yeah. say, well, you gotta you gotta have respect first before you're loyal to somebody. So yeah, boy, I don't know. That, that's a that's a great question. 
I don't it is, know. and it's hard for me. I have to think about that. That's one of those ponder questions. Yeah, yeah, and it's hard too. And I, I flip flop between the two myself because it depends on the scenario and the situation. Certain situations I would take respect over loyalty, and other situations I would take loyalty over respect. So it really just depends on the situation, and it varies. And they both go hand in hand, really, when you think about it. But overall, John, when you're not doing all the stuff that you're doing on a regular basis, what are some of your favorite hobbies and things you like to do that people may not know you like to do? I like to do anything outside. I love to be in the mountains. I love to be in nature. I love to enjoy God's creation. I love to be up at the sun, see the sunrise. I love to see the sunset. I like to swim. I like to work out. I like to laugh. Um spend time with my family. Um, I like to eat good food and then work out so I can eat better food. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's how I am on a weekly basis. I eat healthy I like, all week and I, like I just to, eat. I like to read about fine dining and weight loss. There you go. There's <laughs> yeah. nothing wrong with that. You got to balance it out, man, with the healthy living and, of course, throwing in some cheat days. Everybody does that, it's, it, even nice. myself. I mean, that's what the weekend is for. But. Yeah, man, I'm a disciplined man until you put chips and queso in front of me, and then it's all over, man. <laughs> I know, especially on Sunday football. I tell you, it's, it's, it's over with me, too, on that. But, hey, it happens. You got to balance it out. But overall, John, my last question for you was an interesting one. If you had the opportunity to go back in time, say, 10 years ago and talk to yourself, what would you tell yourself? And at the same time, where do you see yourself in the next 10 years? Well, that's a great question, too, Clifton. What would I tell myself? You know, I would tell myself, slow down and uh, recognize the gift of every day and slow down, slow down. Like um, sometimes I was in a hurry to raise my kids. Like when my kids were little, um, I have, and I had this big windows, all these windows that overlook my backyard, that overlook So-So Park. And when I would come home, I used to get irritated because their little fingerprints were on the window and I would like, get out the Windex and I'd be like, ah, man, these kids put fingerprints on my window, blocking my view. Now, you know, Clifton, you know what I wish I had? I wish I had little fingerprints on my window, man. Mm. So, you know, I would tell myself, enjoy the fingerprints on the window. You know, uh, slow down, slow down today. You know, because you know what? You're going to blink and you're going to be an old man, Clifton. I know you can't believe it, but you're going to blink and it's going to go by so fast. And so slow down and, and realize that today's the best day of your life and value each and every moment to change a life and don't waste it because i wasted some days you know i I thought i had forever but it's later than you think um Mm -hmm. you know i number my days as you know in the book i talk about that so you know i have about eight thousand five hundred and fifty eight days left in my life it all goes well statistically speaking Mm. so i better i better use each and every day and make those days count and exactly. uh, what do I do 10 years from now, man? I think I'm going to be doing the same thing I'm doing now. I'm hopefully I'll be like on my fourth book. I don't know. You know, hopefully I'll be, uh, you know, uh, still I'm still trying to trying to, uh, you know, uh, give people liberty. You know, uh, some of the chains people have on them are put on by, by society. Some of the chains are self-induced, but I'm all about trying to break people free from chains that bind them and unbind people and and help people and give people liberty and freedom in Christ. And that's really what I'm trying to do. 
So I think I'll be doing that 10 years from now. Where, wherever, I don't know, but I'll be doing it. And that's pretty much the best way you can close it out there, John. Now, I want you to tell people where they can find, get in contact with you, for example, and where they can get a copy of your book here, Caught Red-Handed. Yeah, you can go to Amazon.com. Uh, you can get on there and if there's uh, just type in Caught Red-Handed, Reverend John Roberts. Um, get a copy. If you can't afford a copy, email me. I'll send you a copy. That's how much I, I believe in the book. They can reach me at my email, jroberts at gracechurchcorpus.com. Um, or they can call me on my cell phone. You know, it's I'm, I'm, I, I'm not a pastor that hides. Everything's published. I'm right here. I ain't going anywhere. I'm here to help people. That's why God put me on earth. Exactly. And it's just all about just uniting to where we could stand tall instead of being divided to where we fall. And it kind of like what you just alluded to in your book. And if you could learn anything from reading John's book, Caught Red Handed, and this is a great way to end this episode of the HFWB podcast series. Don't count the days. Make the days count. That's all Amen. I'm going to tell you on that. And with that being said, John, I thank you so much for just taking time out of your day just to be on the HFWB podcast series. Thank you, brother. It was, I was honored. I was honored to be one of your guests. Thank you. I appreciate it. Of course, John, anytime. And for those who are listening to the HFWB podcast series, this is your host, Clifton Pope. Y'all stay healthy, wealthy, and blessed. And until next time, y'all, peace and love.